I, I talk so much about storytelling externally, but it's really, Alice, in the, the stories in our heads, the internal chatter. And why do I still carry around that story that my voice doesn't matter? Why do I still carry around that story? She's no good in math. Why does you know somebody sitting next to me in the bowling alley still carry around that story that you know Joey was always a better piano player because they overheard their parents say something or their third grade teacher you know passed some weird remark and it stays with us you know 40, 50 years later. So where is that coming from and why do I still believe it? And that's where a lot of resistance comes in. And when you can lift that resistance and and realize that there's nothing wrong with me and there never was. It just feels so much lighter and so much easier. Hi everybody, welcome to the Empire Life Podcast. I'm Allison Ramsey, your host. I am a business mentor for women who are super scaling their online empires, their businesses, female founders, and on the podcast, we interview women from all around the world about their A to Z of how they got to where they are and all their success secrets. So tune in, make sure that you follow Susan Young, who is our special guest today. At the end, we'll talk more about how to reach out to her on social media and how to get in touch with her. And she helps her clients call in their mesmerizing and life-changing storytelling abilities. Susan Young is an award winning storytelling and speaker coach and CEO of Get In Front Communications. Through online coaching, Susan teaches entrepreneurs how to confidently share their story so that people want to buy. And I'll hand it over to Susan to introduce herself a little bit more. Uh, thanks so much, Allison, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, I'm all about storytelling, so I will uh, share my story with you. Um, I didn't talk till I was four years old and my parents thought that I was deaf. Um, so they took me to the doctor. The doctor says, no, she's, she can hear everything. She's fine. Um, I, when I was hungry, I would go to the refrigerator and bang on the refrigerator door. So I didn't really need to talk. <laughs> um, eventually, of course, I did. And um, when I was 17 and getting ready for college, I was pretty convinced I was going to write for Rolling Stone magazine. And then I found the radio station which is funny because for someone who didn't talk till they were four years old, I majored in mass communication, go figure. <laughs> so I got uh, really involved and interested and intrigued with, um, you know, being a DJ and, and doing the news on the radio. And I went back home after I graduated back to New Jersey and uh, was an on-air radio news anchor and a reporter for 10 years, interviewing everyone from homeless people to presidents. And I'm an old school style, you know, trained journalist before this 24 seven news cycle. And so I was taught that my opinion didn't matter, that all I had to do is ask good questions and interview people and then write the story and go on the, go on the air and, and tell people the news. So I got that in my head in a way that really affected me in, in, a, in a deep, deep way. And so then I went on to run Governor Christy Whitman's Office of Radio and Television at the state capitol and was a PR director for a nonprofit. 22 years ago, I started my business. And then I realized that people wanted to hear my story. They wanted to know, you know, how do you get in the media? How do you do this? How did you get here? And I couldn't figure it out because I kept this mantra going in my mind of, I don't have a story. I don't have a voice. My voice doesn't matter. And so through some, you know, 
therapy, <laughs> some deep introspection and um, some self-discovery. Um, you know, it's taken me a long time, 22 years actually, uh, to being in business, to realizing that I do know what I hold dear in my heart and in my, um, my values and, and what I'm all about. And so that's what I teach people today is how to share your story. You have a newsworthy story. You have a story worth sharing. It's just that most people don't believe that they do. And I'm living proof that you do have a story and it is worth sharing. So um, I coach entrepreneurs these days on how to get their story out there, podcasting, paid speaking engagements, um, media interviews, and to be able to share your gifts so that you can grow your business and make a bigger impact. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I love it. I love that, Susan. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And it's it's a common story that I've heard in a lot of my clients too. And I feel like in a way it's almost an epidemic with, with women or female identifying women that they, they need, almost as if they need permission to understand their gifts and their story and it's worthy of everybody hearing it. They deserve to have the spotlight. They deserve to make that impact. It's needed for them to make that impact. And it's fascinating when I reflect on myself or my fiance was just saying this to me the other day too. He said, it's been totally flipped for you in your life. But I came out screaming. It's like, everybody, I'm here. <laughs> and I come into a room, I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> I have a very big, a big energy a lot of times. And through personal development, I needed to work on allowing space right, for other people's opinions instead of, oh, I thought about this and this is how it is. This is my opinion. Let's all go over here. Let's, uh, or we're all going this way. And everybody's usually, is, okay, let's all go that way. Or they're looking to me to to say my opinion or to lead the situation and being a really powerful leader through personal development, I've understood is also asking everybody in the group and being cohesive with the agreement and the commitment about where we're all going and allowing the space for others to express their story and opinions, thoughts, because we're always going to come to a better overall picture and solution when we all make space for each other and are active and engaged listeners. And those it's sort of been flipped for me where I needed to learn the, the opposite <laughs> and to take a step back and allow that space for others and encourage and do active and engaged listening and it's empowering and wonderful about what people will tell you, right? When you allow them that space and when you have stepped into your power also, and this is who I am, this is my story. It gives other people the permission to feel worthy to share if their own story and asking certain questions. It's like they start pouring out. I've never told anyone this before. And you, it's fascinating how much we can learn about people, as you said, with certain questions and allowing that space, but also that we feel worthy and we give them permission to feel that way too. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, I think it fit on some really interesting, you know, topics, a lot of which I talk about and teach as well. 
is that, you know, we need that fine balance of, um, you know, it's not about being arrogant or obnoxious, but it's about humility. And it's about knowing, um, you know, being able to read the room and, and being able to step back and not be a, what I call a topper, you know, where somebody says, uh, oh, I just got back from Florida for a week on vacation. And then, you know, the topper person would say, well, I just got back from a cruise from Bermuda, you know, and, and uh, it was free because I won the salesperson of the year. It's like, oh, my God. You know, and then somebody else says, yeah. well, I was, you know, I lived in Bali for six months. It's like, stop. Just let them have their moment. We don't need to, to go there. And, and I think a lot of people just feel like they need to keep talking. And so what I've discovered is that silence is often more powerful than words. And so, um, like you say, allowing that space in that conversation is is critical. Wow, that that actually happened this last weekend. I have a teenager, and she was commenting on. She came with me. I was invited, uh, not to be a topper. There's <laughs> just a, more information about me. <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah, a doctor, a lady who was also a doctor at the university that I went to reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be on the board of directors. And and I thought at first it wasn't even real. It was like, is this some kind of scam? Who is this person? <laughs> but it, it turned out to be real. And there was a process that I went through and meeting the other board of directors. And then I'm in line to be the president this next year. So they voted on that a few years later. They had a Christmas party and I really wanted my daughter to be able to go. She's been in that environment a lot in her life with me being a business owner. And when we came in, I wanted, for some reason, intuitively, I wanted to sit with the lady who's running the board. I really feel connection with her who originally reached out to me from the beginning and the president right now of the board, I felt like I gravitated towards them and they're incredible people and giving a lot to the community. And so we sat there, my daughter and I sat there and she commented later on, I've never felt so much silence in a conversation. Was there was ebbs and flows naturally. And I really reflected on that of how more successful people in communication, like you're talking about, are comfortable in those silences. And maybe, I guess, I don't want to say maturity, but probably maturity plays a part in it. Because there was another table that were much younger people in the other room. And there was a lot more roaring and laughing and, and no pauses. It was like very entertaining and engaged and our table was more solemn and I guess almost subdued there was ebbs and flows and I felt really comfortable in that environment and my daughter being a teenager she's she is used to that with communicating with me yet at the same time she felt surprised by that like why were they so comfortable in the silence <laughs> I was wondering what you thought about that. It, was, it just came up a few days ago. Yeah, I, I think, it, it, like you said, it's it's really just some of its maturity. But, you know, people feel uncomfortable that, you know, that when there's silence, that they feel like every space has to be filled with chatter or, or noise or whatever. And so they just keep talking. It's like, 
the example I always use is if you go to court and you know the, the lawyer will say to somebody on the witness stand, where were you on, on Tuesday, June 6th, you know, at, at uh, seven o'clock at night when the stabbing took place? Oh, I was um, home. And then there's silence, but they keep talking. Because before that, I went out to my friend's house and he had a, a knife and a, uh, what? <laughs> you know, you just, you just keep over talking and over speaking and you basically paint yourself into a corner or, you know, dig your own grave, whatever, you know, metaphor you want to use. But there's no reason to, you know, just answer the question. And I'm not saying to be, you know, that interrogation style of in a, in a business conversation, but just to know, um, you know, what to include and what to leave out, that we don't have to be chatter, chatter, chatter all the time, because it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And it's, it's something, even in romantic relationships, <laughs> on the phone or when you're around a friend who allows for those silences it feels rejuvenating the opposite uh, like they're really allowing me to actually relax I don't have to wait till I am not around them anymore <laughs> to relax or feel calm yeah I agree f fully with that and I, I also wanted to dive in with you on as a female business owner what are some of the challenges that you've overcome that you really feel like in overcoming these challenges, they also benefited you and you came out the other side feeling stronger. Oh, there's been <laughs> a, lot. You know, a whole hot mess, of, a whole hot mess of life here. Um, I'd say that the two big, big ones, um, the first one was, um, like I say, I started my business in 2000 and uh, we have, my husband and I are, we're, in a, we're married for 33 years. We've got um, two kids, a, a daughter, who's now 29 and his son who's 27. And um, when our daughter, Stephanie, was uh, about 14 or 15, there were some serious emotional and um, mental health issues and problems and eating disorder and, and things like that. And so we sent her after everything was exhausted here as far as services go to Salt Lake City to an in um, uh, residential treatment program for a year, uh, clear across the country. We had never been there. We didn't know anybody there. We had no family there. And um, it wasn't covered by insurance. And this was in 2008. So my business was, you know, off the ground, you know, after eight years, but handling that and managing that situation at home and having another child, you know, a younger child. And this was during the, the economic downturn in 2008. So my husband was out of work for two years. He's a corporate guy. Oh and um, like I say, no insurance. And it was basically like having two unemployed adults in the house. It, it took 10 agonizing years to get through this. And um, I'm happy to say now that Stephanie is whole and healthy. And um, she graduated from college. She works for a big corporation. She's engaged to a lovely guy and has repaired a lot of relationships in our family. And uh, she's my hero, <laughs> but um, it took a long ass time for us to get to this. And um, you know that if, and I'm still going. So that's the the point of the story is that, you know, the business all of a sudden, you know, nothing else mattered except for getting her the help that she needed. And people will say to us, you know, wow, you know, you sent her there with no insurance and, and no money and all this. And 
I'm like, well, you know what, if, if she had cancer or asthma or a broken leg, well, you know, of course, th we, that's what we did. That's what we chose to do to mm -hmm. save our daughter's life. Like my mom told me when I was frustrated one time, she said, you did it once, you'll do it again. You rebuild. Um, because what I was able to do when I started my business was that in 2000, when I began, I built it to multiple six figures without technology, a budget, or a team. And so that's why my mom said, it's not like you haven't done this before. And of course, you don't want to have to start again or you know go back and look what you've been through. But you did it once. You know you can do it. Now go do it again. And she that's was right. <laughs> yeah, that's super, super wise. Because it, even though we've done it before, it might feel daunting to feel that we're starting over again, like to not regress and regret like, oh my gosh, I spent all that time and that's not as relevant right now. I need to figure out what's relevant and start all these, start the machine wheels going again. And and congratulations to you guys going through that. I'm sure that was- Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I don't personally have a lot of experience that I've guided a lot of clients who have had that experience in the past and, and doing business mentoring and in life, of course, life things come up and, and that they're helping women through some of those things too. And it's a really, it's yeah, beautiful. And yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that, you know, people would say to me, you know, at the beginning when, you know, we talk a little bit about Stephanie and, you know, I would say it's not my story to tell it's hers and, and she's okay with me sharing this mm -hmm. now. Um, but, you know, it, it's that we, we go through this drama and this trauma and so many of my clients, when they say to me, I don't have a story to tell, or they have a story similar to mine where, you know, they were, there was, you know, an abusive home or an assault or, you know, just things that happen that are like, whoa, you know, it, it's hard to, to wrap your head around. Um, and they come out on the other side. It's like, you've got to tell your story because it can help somebody else. And, you know, when you have these gifts um, of survival, of lessons learned, of how to come out on the other side and all the things in between that, you know, you, you wouldn't buy a gift for somebody like, you know, shop for it, think about it, spend money, wrap it, and then put it in the closet and never give it to them. Of course not. You, you share your gifts because it feels like it's the right thing to do. And that's the same with our stories and with our experiences. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, everything needs to be shared. Some people aren't comfortable sharing what I shared. Um, and that's fine. You know, we decide, each person individually decides you know, what to share and how far to pull back that curtain. But um, I think it really is important for us to act like human beings and not like a logo or a brand and say, you know, th this happened and this is what, what I took away from it. I completely agree. I personally, I always feel as if I'm being transparent and open to what I feel comfortable with, as, as you said, there's really nothing that someone can say, oh, I found this out about you. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Again, yeah, I've shared that before. Yeah, I've, pro I've processed that. Yeah, and, it, and it's not for everybody. I mean, you might just say, if you don't want to share things that you know intimate or that close or that traumatic or whatever, that you might just say, you know, um, do a video and say, hey, I 
was making pancakes with my six-year-old nephew and this is what happened and you show a video of you guys or a picture or something and you know just something that that reveals a little bit about you oh, know i have a nephew we were cooking pancakes you know we were doing this and just having some fun but some kind of lesson that ties back to your business in a way that you can connect the dots for your clients um so everything i talk about is you know communication based so there's a lot there obviously you know i go to the dry cleaner and somebody has a fight with the clerk you know, I'm thinking over, all right, where's the content here, right? <laughs> um, That's true. But, you know, th there's just ways that you can connect back to your audience. And I think the key really is when we notice and pay attention to the communication and the experiences around in our world is that we take the earbuds out. People will say to me, how do you come up with these content ideas? How do you write? You know, how do you, you know, pull all this together and always post? And I say, Get out of your own head. Stop with the podcast and listening to your friends or the music and pay attention to the world around you. The stories are all there. Um, but if you're closed out and shut down all those exterior, um, you know, modalities, the communication, the hearing, the seeing, the noticing, the nuances, the overhearing conversations and eavesdropping, that's the fun of, <laughs> that's the fun of, of storytelling and what my jam is, is curiosity. It's just waking up and being really curious, like what's going to happen today? <laughs> I yeah, don't know. Yes, that is insatiable. Something cool my path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely have an insatiable curiosity. I, I completely relate to what you're saying. And it's, it's difficult for me not to ask questions. <laughs> when people are telling me something, I, I want to, even if I don't know them very well, I want to dig a little bit deeper and understand their psychology where they're coming from a part of their story like you're saying i was gonna bring up what you were talking about on things being really vulnerable well you reminded me when i was going through the process of writing my chapter we have a best-selling book in my company and a lot of female founders or they wrote a chapter for each one of the chapters in the book because I had always thought it came to me in a meditation. So I'd always thought I want to write a book, yet I don't want it to be only my voice. I want it to be more as a collaborative and community where I'm able to shine the light on all these other incredible women who have their own businesses and these just this pivotal, huge, impactful stories to share with the community. And I was reading the chapter aloud to my parents because I talk about them in my chapter and some things were really painful for them to hear because, and it was also vulnerable for me to share with them as I, it was in person and I've invited them both over to my house. And I said, if there's anything you feel comfortable with, just interrupt me and we can talk it through. If, if I missed something, if I said something wrong or something's too vulnerable for me to share. And there was only one thing that they felt a little vulnerable about because we uh, grew up in a really poor environment or like in poverty. And I mentioned that and my mom, uh, it felt it, it felt really vulnerable for her. And she, I mean, I have permission to share this because we talked it through she said in the moment, I think it was, it was average. It was average. It was average. And she kind of just like, just put average, just put, 
just the middle class and like like but like uh raising her voice a little bit and feeling really defensive in the moment and it's like well that's that's not true though and i really want to be truthful and and i know that you are you are middle class right now in your in your life uh or you know around there and but we didn't grow up like that and i i think that that's truly part of my story is rising from the ground up and and her too and my my dad and her as well and their parents really coming from super humble roots or or from nothing really building themselves up and there's a lot of wisdom in that and in power that I can share with other women. I really didn't want to leave that out. At the same time, I understood it's, it was at, at some point really vulnerable for me to share too, because I always felt kind of like the great Gatsby character of um, I'm in a room and I was put in a lot of rooms with really wealthy, successful people. And I felt, well, I don't have the... I guess the structure, right? Or these these manners that they have. I wasn't taught these constructs of how you communicate in a super successful, wealthy way. And I found it super fascinating. At the same time, I didn't have any a safety net or something to fall back on. And that in itself is part of my story. And I, as I talked it through with my mom, she's like, okay, it's true. Go ahead and go ahead and add that. And it was it was powerful to, I really wanted their permission and anyone that I included in my chapter because I'm almost going to start, I'm getting choked up even talking about it right now because I want, I would want them to feel comfortable and that if anybody read it, because at this point, you know, thousands of people have read my story, that it reflected them and I was still in a positive way because that's part of my story and my strength. Beautiful. What do you do when, well, it's very connected to the vulnerability piece. Cause I think when we start to feel vulnerable, there starts to be some resistance sometimes. But I want to avoid that. <laughs> or even when people are telling us their story, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It takes a lot of vulnerability to be able to allow someone else the space as well to go deeper into their story. And what do you, what do you, what kind of practices do you have that allow you to overcome that kind of resistance? For myself, it's really, um, you know, and I, I'm learning this at the age of 60, okay, because I didn't learn this growing up, um, is really feeling into, you know, what does this really feel like? And it, go, it goes back to the voice thing where I didn't know how I felt about anything. Because, you know, I was, I was from Brooklyn, you know, <laughs> and so nobody talks and, you know, born in the 60s and nobody talks about feelings. Still don't, you know, and nobody talks about validation. Nobody talks about, you know, the things that people, you know, talk about today. So um, it was more like, you know, well, brush it off, you know, have thick skin, blah, screw them, blow it off, you know, and it's like, no, I'm really hurt. And so it's, it's hard to communicate, you know, to unlearn that communication or lack of communication. And that's really one of the, the big things that, that I learned when Stephanie was sick. One of my daughter, the story that I shared about my daughter was that, um, you know, I'm in communication for 35 years and my communication sucks. <laughs> so, you know, um, and we're at this residential treatment program and the, 
the it's for teenage girls like 12 to 18 or so and there's a, a gentleman who's sitting next to me at the parents weekend he's an attorney in new york city and uh, he can't negotiate with his 14 year old daughter and there's a guidance counselor who has a daughter who um hoards and is afraid to leave the house so we're all broken in some way and so that resistance really i think is about you know, allowing yourself what I call the space and the grace to step back and not rush because again, from the East coast, just, you know, we talk fast, we move fast, we drive fast, we think fast. We're, you know, especially my family, it's people are like, you guys are like stand-up comedians, you know, it's like one liners, one after another, everybody's funny. And it's like, we need to slow down. And so when you feel into that resistance, and, you know, I, I, I'm a writer, so, you know, I, I, I journal sometimes, I'll write it, you know, but I'll sit out on the terrace, just get some fresh air and start thinking about things and just thinking, you know, how do I feel about that? And it, it takes me a lot longer than I think most people would be like, well, I'm so blah, 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 you know, and, and I was crying and I was shaking and my vagus nervous system, I'm like, so you felt like crap, huh? You know, and <laughs> it's like, okay, um, that's how I would sub it up. But, you know, again, stepping into that, the feeling of the resistance and it's like, why is it there? And, you know, I, I talk so much about storytelling externally, but it's really, Alice, in the, the stories in our heads, the internal chatter. And why do I still carry around that story that my voice doesn't matter? Why do I still carry around that story? She's no good in math. Why does, you know, somebody sitting next to me in the bowling alley still carry around that story that, you know, Joey was always a better piano player because they overheard their parents say something or their third grade teacher, you know, passed some weird remark and it stays with us, you know, 40, 50 years later. So where is that coming from and why do I still believe it? And that's where a lot of resistance comes in. And when you can lift that resistance and, and realize that, there's nothing wrong with me and there never was. It just feels so much lighter and so much easier. It really does. And to get curious, as we were talking about with the being, having a lot of curiosity and to curious with our internal dialogue of why am I experiencing this resistance or why do I feel super exhausted after having a conversation with this person that they said the xyz what what was it that that brought up and is that something i can reflect on and dig a little deeper into or be curious about because as you said it, it's coming from somewhere yeah and the more that we focus on it and the more that we think about it the more momentum and snowball it gets. And so, you know, you start to believe what you think about. And so you start to, you know, you, you brainwash yourself like this must be true. You know, I don't have a voice or I suck at math or I can't drive downtown or, you know, Joey's a better piano player than me. And so we start to believe that story. So when we can unlearn those stories and, um, you know, at a deeper level, and that's where the, my NLP training comes in and, subconscious reprogramming um you brainwash yourself one way let's brainwash ourselves the other way say hey i'm all right there's nothing wrong with me i i'm good at this and i'm good at that and i can do this and i can do that and let's go there you know 
know, don't let other people and, and stories from 40 years ago steal your joy from being happy in this moment in this day. It's super true. I've I've had similar conversations with a lot of clients of what about well the stories to back up a little bit those stories then lead us to believe that we are that person and we might even be acting as a different person around different people because of those stories that they've told us or the stories that we've now taken on ourselves and then sometimes people tend to push those people away because they think it's those people who are forcing them or telling them that they have to be a certain way when it's really that we're we're doing that ourselves if we take on those stories and then we behave in accordance to the box that someone put us in <laughs> and what what's the yeah. worst that's going to happen are they going to be are their feathers going to be a little ruffled or going to be slightly offended uh, but we never we have to give them the opportunity to see who we really are instead of push them away but that's where the resistance comes up that it might be easier to just avoid being something different than the stories the the narrative so to speak of how we are or the context of that feels safer sometimes for people to put us in that kind of box now i find that you know when you when you are actually like just being yourself and you know people will tell me you know you're the real deal there's like nothing tricky about you what you what you see is what you get and i'm like you know what if 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 i'm okay with that then and you're not then that's you know let's just go about our ways you know um and not everyone's going to like you not everyone's going to like me not everybody's going to be my best friend and so i think when you guard your time and your mind um carefully and you surround yourself with people who lift you up instead of drag you down. And sometimes it's the people who you're, you know, who birthed you. It's the people you're <laughs> married to, or you, you know, your partners with, or the children that you birthed, or you know, people that you work with, or your neighbors, or very close relatives. But if you just say, you know what, I'm going to carve out time for this person once a week for a five-minute phone call instead of going there for coffee and hanging out with them for four hours and listening to this negative crap you know this pity city crap that uh, you know nobody wants to hear so you decide how to spend your time and what boundaries there are and sometimes you know we have to i'm not saying to walk away from relationships and all but um you know it, i think there is something to be said for guarding your time and your mind wisely amen um yes <laughs> i think that that is a message that especially as women we we can't hear enough because was, i went through something recently where i needed to make a decision to go to a family event or not and i was really maxed out because i went to the board christmas party the day before and we got home we had to drive about two hours to get there and two hours back so we were already really exhausted and it was a difficult decision because there was a lot of obligation tied to the decision uh, and getting curious about why do I feel that sense of obligation instead of the first question being, is this really nurturing for me? Is this, is this going to really improve my life or what, why am I doing this? It's like, you know, do I want, do I want to be there? And it's like, if you, if you have to ask yourself that question, usually it's like, you know what? <laughs> no thanks can't make it <laughs> take a pass this time around it's yeah. true even asking certain questions to ourselves is an indication exactly I this is one of my favorite questions I really wanted to go into 
what is a childhood story that reflects what, well, I, I, I think you kind of tapped into that a little bit at the beginning with the knocking on the refrigerator and you know, coming into believing that your voice is worthy or you are worthy of the spotlight and everybody and your story being amplified across generations and lots of people. But I, I was wondering if there is a specific story that you wanted to share that has to do with why you do what you do right now. Yeah, I think it's, it is, you know, it does go back to the voice of, you know, not talking until I was four years old, but I will, you know, share something else about it is that, um, and we talk about stories, um, I'm a middle child. And so, um, you know, there's three girls in five years. And so, you know, we're all very, very close. And again, I felt like my voice wasn't heard. And I felt like, you know, I'm the middle child, like the black sheep of the family. We everyone, there's a lot of threes in my family, cousins, there's just a lot of threes, you know, for some reason. And every every person <laughs> who's the middle child of cousins, aunts, and uncles happens to be a screwball. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like, okay. Um, so I took it upon myself as um, necessary to act like a screwball, to be the black sheep of the family, to be the middle child, to be the, the one who, you know, my older sister, whose name is Allison, you know, she oh, was wow. the responsible one, the good one, the, you know, trustworthy, whatever. And Karen is, you know, a couple of years younger than me and she's the baby and cute and athletic and all this. And there I was, you know, um, with my <laughs> best friend, you know, seven years old, we got kicked out of brownies. Um, we, <laughs> you know, spray painted somebody's fence. We, you know, just, we were just an accident waiting to happen. I'll put it that way. And so I grew up doing a lot of things that served that role, that story of, gee, you're a middle child, must be a screwball. And so, you know, I had to make a statement about that. And so I've come to realize that that's not who I am. Those are things that I did that I'm certainly not proud of, but I had to figure that out along the way. Um, gave my parents a run for their money for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, you know, um, but, you know, in the end, it's like, you know what? I have my role in the family, just like Allison does, and just like Karen does, and just like you know everybody else does. Um, and that's not the role that I have. It's what I did, but it's not who I am. And so I had to, you know, and I still have to kind of get past that. There are a lot of times because again, I'm learning, you know, 50, 60 years of, of this is, um, is a lifelong adventure. It is. It is, and and probably related with the NLP too. For I know a little bit about it from clients that have the certification too, and to start to be able to look at those and undo or unwind, unravel those kind of stories. Of yeah, you know, I I, I used to, it's you know we had a um and I alluded to this earlier um about when I was talking about my daughter, but we had a um a, a deep uh, family tragedy um in June of 2021, um, my niece, um, committed suicide, oh 24 gosh. years old. And so, um, not only have we become, not only have not we, I, um, obviously everybody else has, you know, their own story about it, but, you know, just in general, it's like, I'm unraveling and I'm unfolding and I'm learning. And, you know, I think as entrepreneurs that when, that we can't separate the, you know, I'm in a mastermind group 
and I'm doing, you know, a Tony Robbins thing or a Brene Brown course or an Amy Porter, whatever it is, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is. But as we're learning to grow our business and, and write, write the sales copy and do the email marketing and do lives and do podcasts and all of that, it's that we are just really on a journey of self-discovery and the line is so blurry, you know? And so when I say I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, my older sister is a guidance counselor with two master's degrees in a middle school and my younger sister is an attorney. And so they don't have the same experiences, even though they, I'll say they have more education. I have a bachelor's degree, but they haven't gone where I've gone because they're not in this being not forced, but I think as entrepreneurs, we're required to, and you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who don't make it after the first mm-hmm. year, the third year, the fifth year, the, those benchmarks, because they're not willing to go there to do that hard work of self-discovery and to, to unfold, to unravel, to relearn, to, to do that deep work that isn't required of many other jobs. Quick example. Um, if you work in a bank or a supermarket or a hospital, wherever, and you get a paycheck, you can hate on yourself every single day and show up at work and get paid. Entrepreneurs don't have that luxury because if we're hating on ourselves, it comes through in our videos, in our email copy, in our posts, in everything that we do. And so that's where I'm talking about that. There is no line between professional and personal development. And that's what makes us awfully special. It is. And uh, I, I had a, one of my, I think she was my second big client when starting Empire Life that she was having a block with raising her prices and wanting, well, charging money, receiving money, which is a lot of us need to go through that as well when we're starting our first business. Cause you don't have to do that when you're receiving a paycheck. It's just like, I'm going to get the check and it's just more effortless as opposed to, I just signed a hundred thousand dollar contract. <laughs> it's like what this person wants to pay me and I deserve this. There's a, a lot of emotional blocks come up in that in those yeah. moments and she needed she was having a friend kind of taking taking advantage of of her and they weren't clearly communicating uh, she was kind of trying to avoid the situation and that was the block for her to then feel more worthy that she needed to stand up for herself and I stand up and take the power back in the relationship and asked them they had moved in with her and they weren't paying her rent and they were being really messy and loud and was feeling super disrespectful and affecting their friendship and we talked about what to say to that person and it it might elicit an emotional response which they did initially get really upset because they weren't used to her standing in her power and then they adjusted and they ended up being really good friends and they moved out and because they didn't really want to pay her rent or contribute to cleaning the house. That wasn't what they originally had wanted or what their goal was, sadly. It, but they ended up being friends after that and working things out. And then she was able to more easily receive money. It's like it, it was part of the the block that she wasn't standing up for herself in her real life uh, and and then being able to be assertive with clients of this is my, these are my rates. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, that that's really comes full circle nicely with, you know, are you, because we talk about newsworthy, you know, is your story newsworthy? Is, you know, whether for a podcaster or a reporter for, you know, print radio or television. And so it's like, well, how do you know what's newsworthy? It's like, you have to love your story or they won't either. And, you know, when you pitch it. So when you, you know, figure out, okay, am I worthy of, $500 an hour or am I worthy of $50 an hour? Am I worthy of pitching my story to a local newspaper or a TV station as, a, as an expert? Why do you feel like your story doesn't matter? And that's where I work with, that's how I work with a lot of clients is to uncover that story that's right usually under their nose, but they don't see it because they're so close to it. It's their life that they miss it. And so it's like, no, you have a good story to tell and it's, it's worthy, newsworthy, because I've been in the media and I know what's newsworthy and what's valuable to, um, you know, to the public and to reporters and to audiences. So, um, yeah, I think it really does come down to so much of what we do is about our self-worth. Yes, uh, that, that could be a whole nother podcast about how to raise. It's <laughs> sure. a fascinating topic, how to raise our self-worth and how to continue to give back to ourselves and boundaries that you touched on is a huge part of it. Uh, before we hop off, Susan, I was wanting to make sure that I ask you, what are the three top concepts or tips that you want to leave our audience with? And then following that, what do you feel like, how can they reach out to you and get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, the three top tips I'd say are, there's nothing wrong with you and there never was. Be tenacious even when you're tired and learn from people who are five to 10 steps ahead of you. Always be learning. Make it that investment in yourself. That's what I've been doing for 22 years when, you know, when even when you don't have the, the budget or you think you don't have it, stop telling yourself that story and start being open to receiving from the universe and amazing things happen. I'm living proof of it. And I think you might be too. Thank you. I, I do feel the doors, when we tap into that, doors fly open. Yep. Exactly. There's a there's a limitless amount of money to earn or energy to flow in and out. There's a limited, limitless amount of opportunities and doors to fly open. And if one is closed, there's another one. That's how I choose to live my life as well. There's an abundance and there's enough for everybody. You're not taking from anybody. They didn't get your share of the pie. It's there for us. But when we wrap our heads around it and wrap our minds around it and understand how that works, again, with NLP and that subconscious reprogramming, when you start to see things in a different way, like you said, opportunities just fly by, fly open. For sure. They, and how can people get in touch with you, Susan? Uh, the website is sueyoungmedia.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. We have a group called Communication Nation. Um, on Instagram, Twitter, Sue Young Media, um, LinkedIn as well. So, Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Allison. Appreciate the conversation. 